The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of of love, here where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the city, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily on this baccalaureate Sunday are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across the six states of New England, and for our internet listenership around the globe at wbur.org. We welcome your written or emailed responses, your prayerful or material support, your choices in ministry and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence comes Sunday in worship. On this day especially, we welcome honored guests in our university leadership and the instrumentalists and choristers of Marsh Chapel. As we are able, may we stand together in the praise of God. Father, God of the universe, our creator, on this day we come before you thankful for the gift of life with which you have blessed us. We thank you for our graduates and their intelligence with which you have graced them 
and the opportunities afforded them to use that gift here at this honorable institute. We ask your blessing upon the parents and families of our graduates. May you bless them for all the love they have shown their children, the wisdom they have imparted to them, and for all they have sacrificed over the years leading up to this day. We also ask your blessing on all the faculty and staff of Boston University. It is the sharing of their talents and of their encouragement that has enabled our graduates to reach this milestone. I implore you, O oh God, to watch over the needs of all the young men and women who are graduating on this day. Give them the abundance of your life. Enlighten them in making their choices. Help them in difficult times. Sustain them in faith. Render them eager and encourages in offering their lives to be witnesses of true love, sowers of hope, and builders of peace. We ask you, Almighty God, to bless this day. May it be one of joy and celebration. May peace reign in our many interactions throughout this day, and may all our graduates look back over the years and cherish this precious day as one of their happiest moments. Amen. A lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord.
A lesson from Paul Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 and 9 to 13. I appear to you, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints Extend hospitality to strangers. The word of the Lord.
Good friends all, as we pause in our service of worship to welcome our esteemed guest speaker today, we also pause to welcome those particularly who may be listening from afar on the radio. We'll invite you in the mind's eye to come and take a seat with us, that is by imagination through the door you'll come and our ushers will find you a seat and offer you a bulletin. So we'll accustom ourselves to the space. We can see the nave and its familiar stained glass, conic stained glass windows. There is a lower bay to the east and to the west of windows that depict spaces and places of importance in human and religious history, from Jerusalem to Oxford to Wittenberg to Boston. And location, location, location is important. But you'll notice that these are the smaller windows. The larger windows here, the great windows, east and west, are given not to place but to person, in keeping with the long history at Boston University of a sense, actually a philosophical tradition of personalism, the dignity and worth of each human being. So we have Athanasius of Alexandria, We have John Wesley, remembering his last words, the best of all is God is with us. We have Abraham Lincoln here in stained glass. You'll remember from your Boston University history study that Lincoln in his earthly life, our most powerful president, did not spend a great deal of time in formal worship in church. But since 1949 and his presence in stained glass here, his attendance has been perfect, a spotless record. These are people all around who add to, you'll notice, dear radio listener, as you settle in, who add to the expanse of grace and freedom. Maybe your your eye will come to the sculpture of uh, Bach and Beethoven here at the chancel or the evangelists with their Lord in front. Maybe you will be delighted to see our provost, Dr. Jean Morrison, here and hear her voice in the reading, and especially pleased and honored to have the 10th president of Boston University, Robert A. Brown, helping to lead. You know, seven of the 10 presidents did speak from this physical pulpit, Dr. Uh, Presidents Marsh and Case and Chris Janer and Silber and Wessling and Cobanian and Brown were here and spoke. To their voices and to those voices, historic voices, dear listener, we add today the 6,000 and more voices of those who are graduating, a day of reverence but a day of joy, and the gathered community, friends and parents, sisters, cousins and aunts who have come with them to remember today. And from this pulpit, the pulpit of Franklin Littell, Howard Thurman, Alan Knight, Chalmers, and Martin Luther King to welcome our most esteemed baccalaureate speaker for May 2011. He is the Linus Pauling Professor of Chemistry and Physics at California Institute of Technology. He is a recipient in 1999 of the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in femtoscience, which is the study of atomic motion in very small spans of time. That is the first time the word femtoscience has been used in liturgy here, (laughs) and it's high time. He comes to us, speaking of Alexandria, with a bachelor's and a master's degree from the University of Alexandria, that cradle in ancient and modern civilization of fine culture, and a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. In 2009, President Barack Obama invited him to be a member of the President's Advisory Council on Science and Technology and further to become the first United States science envoy to the Middle East. He brings us many awards and gifts received in the past, books and articles, numberless to notice, take a moment to go on the website and read his resume today. But especially he brings us a heart and a rich humanity committed as we are to international education and world peace, a sense of a common faith, a common ground, 
and a common hope. Will you join me to extend the right hand of fellowship in a warm Marsh Chapel greeting to our 2011 speaker, Dr. Ahmed Sewail. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Dean Hill, for arranging for this wonderful window for Alexandria, well, where I was educated and born, so that's wonderful of you to do that. Well, when uh, President Brown called me and said that the Board of Trustees has decided to award me an honorary degree from Boston University, I was pleased and honored. But then when he later called me and said, or wrote to me and said, could you give the baccalaureate address in Marsh Chapel? I was so elated because I thought that the trustees have decided to give me another honorary degree in theology. <laughs> well, I guess he didn't go that far. And so, <clears throat> but I'm indeed delighted to be with you, your family, and friends uh, today. My dear graduates, the baccalaureate ceremony from the European medieval time until today is a service in celebration of and thanksgiving for lives dedicated to learning and wisdom. The learning you achieved through light of knowledge and wisdom you acquired so far from mentors and from the love of your family who supported you throughout. And incidentally, the last stimulus check from them will be cash today. As soon-to-be fellow laureate of this world-class university in few hours, and perhaps more importantly as a parent who has witnessed the joy of college graduation, I would like to share with you some personal experiences in the hope that you may see why you are fortunate to reach this milestone and what you can do with your fortunate to forge a new future. In this century, you are witnessing revolutions of knowledge. And my message is simple. Always be guided by the light of knowledge to shape the future of yourself, of your country, and of the world at large. When I came to the United States in 1969, I was not dreaming of a Nobel Prize, nor I was dreaming of acquiring a Bill Gates fortune. Armed with a very good education I received in Egypt, I was simply on a voyage of quest for knowledge, that of a PhD research in a reputable institution in this land of opportunity. <clears throat> America was a magnet to many of my generation because of its leadership in science and technology and its unique democratic values. This historic the historic landing of Neil Armstrong on the moon in 1969 was enough to demonstrate America's outlook on the new frontiers of revolutionary knowledge. People often ask me, how does one get a Nobel Prize? And what is the secret to success? Sadly, they never asked this question before I received the Nobel Prize. I believe it was the passion for science that supplied the energy and it was the optimism that made the almost impossible possible. My dear graduates, success comes to the prepared mind. Success is not like rain that falls from the sky equally upon everybody. Success is what you reap when you sow with passion and optimism. Times have changed. The world is more complex, and the America of today 
is not the one I came to in the 1960s. We now, in the so-called global age, threatened by chemical, biological, and nuclear disasters, and the United States is facing real challenges. The rise of economic superpowers, such as India and China, the conflict of wars overseas, and most importantly, in my view, the change in cultural, educational, and political values. Yes, there are challenges and changes, but you can still make your own success in your own way because you are fortunate to have received an excellent education in a 21st century developed world society. Your education is unaffordable to at least 80% of the 6 billion people on the planet who make merely, merely a dollar a day. As importantly, America continues to provide you with opportunities that even today you will not find anywhere else in the world. And here you are free to speak and worship as you please. And you can sleep at night without fear of the government or the police. These fundamental values are embedded in the foundation of this country that is built on the pillars of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do not listen to pessimists. Rather, forge ahead to contribute in whatever career you are passionate about, in business, government, law, art, or science. I do not know the future of business or politics, but I know the future of science. Your generation and the ones after you will continue to seek basic understanding of nature, and make the exciting discoveries that lie ahead. From the deciphering of the most fundamental constituents of matter, to the reach of the cosmos boundaries, and to the uncovering of our origin and the miracle of life. But there is more. From the beginning of time, the quest for knowledge has been the driving force for revolutionary changes not only in causing paradigm shifts in our understanding of the cosmos, but also as an agent for the naissance and renaissance of human societies. The European Renaissance would have been impossible without enlightenment about the significance of knowledge and rational thinking. I think too much credit is given to the impact of politics on the progress of society. In fact, without scientific knowledge, there is no development, and politicians would not be able to promise prosperity. Just think of what would our world be like without electricity, penicillin, and the aeroplane. From the agriculture and the industrial revolution to today's genomics and IT revolutions, knowledge is at center stage for societal development. Even in politics, knowledge is becoming essential, and the use of your generation elsewhere in the world is now harnessing knowledge of technology to do what those of my generation thought impossible, to acquire liberty from totalitarian regimes. You are aware, no doubt, of the people's revolution is sweeping the Middle East as I speak. I witnessed in real time the Egyptian uprise that began on January 25th of this year and markably led to the removal of Mr. Mubarak in only 18 days. I saw university students in the hundreds of thousands and then in the millions marching to Tahrir Square in Cairo. The name of the square means liberty, and that is precisely what the youth wanted from a 30-year-old regime. They demonstrated peacefully with impeccable organization skills and in unison. In my generation, we would probably have used stones, sticks, and guns in order to rise up. In your generation, they used Facebook, Twitter, and SMS. 
without the discovery of the chip, wireless technology, and the internet, this Egyptian revolution may never have succeeded in a peaceful and civilized transformation. Although the road ahead is bumpy, already hopeful signs are emerging. A few months after the revolution, Egypt announced the establishment of a new city for science and technology on 300 acres of land, and the sole purpose of the quest is the quest for the useful knowledge. So the 21st century education that you are fortunate to have received at BU is far-reaching, beyond the classical boundaries, not just across so-called interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary fields, but also between nations and maybe soon across planets. Perhaps, perhaps the best words to describe the value of education and the knowledge are those of Thomas Jefferson in 1782, writing in his notes on Virginia. And I quote, the general objects of a bill to diffuse knowledge more generally through the mass of the people are to provide education adapted to the years, to the capacity, and to the condition of everyone, and directed to their freedom and happiness. Remarkably, Jefferson, more than two centuries ago, saw the virtue of education on the individual and the global levels. My dear graduates, this is just the beginning of a long voyage and your walks of life. And this is a new life here. <laughs> In this journey, invest your knowledge fortune wisely and forge the place and time into an opportunity. Have a dream, as did one of the most renowned alumni of BU, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and work hard for your dream. Without hard work, we are not entitled to a good life. And without compassion, we will not attain the good life in a world majority population of half-nots. The investment of your family and your country in you is for a good reason. You need a good education to lead a fuller, richer life. The country needs you to build its future, and the world will be a better place when knowledge replaces ignorance. Thank you very much, and congratulations.
Dearly beloved, I would invite you to assume a posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we turn our hearts and minds to pray, prayer. As we pray, I will conclude each petition, God, in your mercy. Please respond, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, creator of our world and author of all knowledge, we gather this morning in the Fellowship of Marsh Chapel as part of a great celebration of those graduating from Boston University today. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of wisdom, we give thanks today for the leadership of this great institution, for its faculty, staff, and administrators, and for all who work to provide a wholesome space for study and growth toward maturity. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of endurance, we celebrate the students who have persevered through myriad courses of study to attain to wisdom and understanding in the classrooms and lecture halls of Boston University. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of blessing, we pray for our graduates today that as they go out into the world, they may find and maintain meaningful and sustaining work. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray that as these graduates move out from Commonwealth Avenue and Albany Street into the highways and byways of this nation and the world, that they may herald a new day of justice and prosperity for all. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of peace, we pray that you will watch and safeguard these graduates as they move out into a world marked by great social and political instability, and that they may participate in a great transformation toward balance and tranquility. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, we give thanks this day for the families and friends of our graduates who have shepherded them thus far and who rejoice with them as they move into yet another stage of life. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of knowledge, may we who remain here at Boston University continue in the great tradition of wisdom and understanding that has been bestowed upon us by those who have come before and in which these graduates have participated in these last years. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, we pray for your grace to sustain friendships among our graduates and those who have taught and mentored them in these past years, and that what has been gained from those friendships may be carried on into new relationships to the end of our days. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We bring all of these prayers, spoken in petition and in our hearts, before your throne of grace, O God and ask you bless and keep us this and all our days. Amen.
offer you a benediction adapted from Dr. Walter Earl Fluker, Dean Howard Thurman, and the poet Sidney Lanier. May you fly in the greatness of God, even as the marsh hen flies, filling all the spaces twixt the marsh and the skies. God is not finished with creation. God is not finished with you. What you seek without, you will find within. So fly in the greatness of God, even as the marsh hen flies. Amen. <laughs>